Welcome to another episode of Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas here with Miranda Kitterland Lynch. Miranda, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? All is groovy. Great things are happening. Good things are happening. You know, I've been a, to like four graduations this this graduation season. That's a good thing, right? When you get invited to go to graduations. I think so, unless thing. they just sent you the invitation to get a gift. Well, that yeah, that didn't happen. They actually, yeah. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it, and and none of the folks that are graduating, these are all fam, not family members, right? These are friends and so forth that have invited me to come, or children of friends. So that's a pretty good thing, right? That's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been been doing that in the graduation scene. So that's been that's been pretty cool. Been reading a lot about hotels and stuff. What's up with this choice buying Wyndham? Uh, it's I was just looking at that. So you tell me. <laughs> wow, they say that they both sides will not confirm that yeah. this is this is going on. But I don't know what's the win for the consumer in that. When I'm thinking, you know, where's the where's the win there? It makes me think of the airline industry. Um, and how when one buys another, it just lessens the, but I have to fly a lot. So let me stop talking about airlines. Okay. okay <laughs> I don't yeah. want them to flag me. <laughs> yeah. And I only fly one. That's the one with the, the heart thing that they do. That's the, that's the only one that I, that I fly on. So we're here at episode number. 23. Sounds good. We'll roll with it. We'll we don't have a brain here to help us. Yes, that's right. No one's here. We we don't know. We could go back and start looking through them. I don't know. Wait, but you guys just what? You just saw this text message? No, never mind. I'll hide this down. Yeah. So let's let's go with number twenty three. And today we have a, a long term a friend of mine, uh, John Delosier, who's been a friend and I actually worked with John, worked for John. In, in several uh, several capacities. Looking forward to having John Delosier as our guest today here on Checking In a Lodging DEI Chat. Let's bring John into the studio. Hey, John, how are you? Uh, good. Good morning, Leon. How are you? Hi, Miranda. Good to Hello. be here with you. Good to see good you both. Good, good to see you. So, John, you have like a very unique done it all kind of a background you've you've what haven't you done uh you know i i hadn't ever done anything in healthcare, so just recently i decided i would uh uh start dabbling in the healthcare field a little bit so right right now i'm working with a a grant from the department of labor that helps uh uh take uh people that are underemployed or unemployed and do apprenticeships in the in the healthcare industry. So so that's that's something I haven't done yet, Liam. But I'm now working on that as well. Typically, healthcare professions uh, weren't necessarily thought of uh, as far as apprentices are concerned. We we're pretty we're pretty used to that in hospitality and in culinary arts. But it's it's a new thing for the uh, healthcare industry. So so I'm working on that now, Leon. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm always looking for something new to dabble in. Yeah, yeah, right on. So here's what I want to do, John. I'll pick up with where you and I met, 
and don't tell any bad things about me. Tell I, I there are no bad things to tell the Do not listen to Miranda. <laughs> Miranda just said, tell all of them. Do not. Please, and then please we'll put don't. put it on the internet forever. <laughs> because when you start going down that path, this will happen. And we don't want to do that, okay? <laughs> and then you kind of tell us what, what you're doing now. Then I'll turn it over to Miranda, and, and we'll start getting into some some things about uh, DEI in the lodging industry. So, John, you and I met. I don't know what year it was, but it was it was a, a while ago um, when I was a trainer for your hotels. You were a vice president or a regional vice president for a hotel management company that had several hotels in the mid-Atlantic states, and I was your trainer. And then um, probably you took it from there, from what you were doing. 2004, 2005. Leon, I actually uh, had attended a conference. Uh, I think it was in I think it was in Aruba, and I had met um, a gentleman from your organization, and thought, "Wow, this is, this type of training uh, would really help my." Uh, my hotels. I was overseeing three hotels at that point. And uh, each of these hotels uh, were, were struggling just with some really basics, how to answer back in those days, how to answer the telephones and how to take uh, reservations and the training that your company offered um, specifically taught our employees how to answer the phone and how to take a reservation. So like, like you would find in a professional call center. And I've always thought that uh, hiring, hiring that company and then having you as our trainer, Leon, uh, was, was one of the things that was really good for my career. It was really good for our company. It, it was the type of training that instantly made an impact. Um, when our vice president left the company, just maybe a year after uh, you and I met, um, I stepped into uh, her position, and then uh, we added a number of hotels throughout the year. Uh, just uh, just prior in 2016, um, my former partner or my former boss uh, asked me if I would come back into the industry. I'd spent a little bit of time in higher education, and he said, "Would you come back?" He says, "If you do, I'll make you a partner in the business." So I, I decided to step back into hospitality, um, became part owner of uh, one of the hotels and uh, became a part owner of a hotel management company as well. We just have two properties right now. So it's a nice, easy to manage portfolio. And it also gives me time to, as I said previously, dabble in some uh, other things, whether it's uh, my uh, adjunct teaching that I'm doing or uh, working on some projects for the uh, local community college. It gives me a chance to uh, branch out and uh, keep myself involved in a few different areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Miranda? Very cool. Um, so before we started, Leon and I were chatting and he brought up the topic of neurodiversity. Um, and I don't think that that's something that we've really touched on on our show uh, thus far. We've talked a lot about diversity in terms of race, ethnicity, gender, um, but neurodiversity is something that I don't think receives as much attention. And Leon mentioned that you recently attended a conference on this. I originally attended, it was a, it was a afternoon professional development workshop. And one of the things I shared with Leon was um, 
I, I was I was working on just getting some professional development credits. It's it's time for me to send in my uh, certified hotel administrator uh, paperwork, right? And so I was uh, making sure I have all of my professional development credits. And I decided I would look at the diversity track because um, it's always important to me with diversity as much as you know we want to do diversity equity inclusion we want to do it and we want to do it right to me the the most important thing has always been learning more and learning as much as i possibly can about it right uh, again i might not always do it right but i want to learn uh, everything i can about it and uh, i saw the topic neurodiversity and i'll, I'll be the first one to admit um I went on Google right away and said, what, what is neurodiversity? It wasn't, it wasn't a term that I had come across before. And then I saw that specifically uh, this workshop was going to deal with the topics of working with uh, uh, folks who identify with autism and then uh, working with people uh, also who uh, have been diagnosed with H, uh, ADHD. And um, I'll, I'll share it here. I, I have shared this uh, publicly, uh, but as an adult, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So that topic of the neurodiversity uh, um, was, was a uh, you know, special interest to me. I always thought that my ADHD was actually one of my strengths and not necessarily a, a weakness. Um, I'm sure that my childhood teachers and my High school teachers probably had uh, different thoughts on whether or not that was uh, one of my strengths. So yeah, I, I, I did recently attend that just because I want to keep uh, knowledgeable on what's going on. And when I see a term like that, I want to know what it means. Absolutely. Will you share with our audience and with Leon and I, what were some of your big takeaways from that session? I think, I think one of my takeaways, and, and you know, l like some people, I, I might grow a little weary of like the vocabulary police, right? Uh, but to, I think one of my big takeaways was just being sensitive to the language that's out there. And again, learning, um, learning uh, how we talk about um, autism, how we talk about um, ADHD. Uh, there were a number of other uh, uh, disabilities that were were discussed. Some of them that again, I'd have to go back and look at my notes because I wasn't familiar with with what some of these were. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I heard yesterday was about the origins of the word Aspergers. And uh, for for a long time, I, I've heard people referred to as as having Aspergers, or, and I, I believe there's even like Aspergers Foundation. But what I learned yesterday is that that uh, word Asperger's itself came from a, a Nazi uh, physician that was actually doing experimentation. So, so people with that particular diagnosis aren't necessarily uh, fond of, of, that, of that term. And, and then some uh, identify with that term and, and, and have no issue with it. So I think one of my big takeaways and never seems like there's anything new. It's just being really sensitive to the language and and, and you know how people prefer to be um, identify and to uh, discuss these type of topics. I, I think my other I think my other uh, big takeaway is you're often hearing 
people refer, uh, as far as autism is concerned, um, as the, the comment might be, they're on the spectrum, or they're high functioning, or or they're, they're low functioning. And, and really, that's not uh, the preferred method of um, referring to autism either. So I, I think, and I'd have to review my notes, I'd want to read up on it a little bit more. But the takeaway coming is that I, you know, I'm here with today is just pay attention and keep learning about these things. And as an employer, so most of my conversation yesterday was as an educator, but as an employer, uh, we, we probably aren't spending a whole lot of time talking about neurodiversity. Like I said, I had to Google the topic so I knew what I was signing up for. Mm -hmm. I'm Leon Thomas with Miranda Kittenland Lynch, and our guest today here on Checking In is John Delosier with Practice Hospitality. John, as we, we continue our, our conversation, one of the, the things that I want to comment on and then get your, your feedback on is be, before we really got to know each other, and I was uh, training at some of your hotels, um, your staff, your team members were, were proud of several members of the, the teams in two of your hotels that uh, you employed folks that had developmental disabilities. Tell us some about about that experience and, and why that was important for you to do that. And I think it's appropriate for this show on diversity, equity, and inclusion, because so often uh, we, we think about race, gender, and identity when we hear the term DEI and those that aren't fully aware of what it is. It's more than that. So can you share some, some feedback about how uh, how it was to, to to work with those that have uh, developmental disabilities and some of the wins that that took place in that, please. Uh, at, at the time, Leon, I was uh, regional vice president. We had a country and suites in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and we had a country and suites in York, Pennsylvania, my my hometown. And there was a local there was a local uh, 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 intermediate school. Uh, that had a program where they would bring some of the students with uh, developmental disabilities uh, to the hotel, and, and they were just teaching them teaching them skills. Typically, typically these were um, uh, house people uh, in, in industry, people that took care of our our public areas, the meeting rooms, the the pool space, the the hallways, and, and it was life tasks like vacuuming and uh, dusting. And at, at, at one particular property, our, our country and suites in uh, Gettysburg, um, the general manager was really successful with that program. Um, the students that would came in formed a bond with him. The supervisors from the program that came in formed a bond with him. And it, and it uh, and from a from a hotel labor standpoint, um, you know he he didn't he didn't need to have anybody there at the hotel Monday through Friday uh, cleaning these public areas because the the students who were part of this program were were doing that they were they were learning some valuable uh, life skills and, and and he was benefiting from having this uh, uh, these individuals there to uh, do some of these uh, jobs that needed to be done. Um, it, it was it was a win for both parties, and that was back 
that was back prior to the pandemic. That was back when um, finding labor wasn't as much of an issue as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sorry. And what year did you say that was? That was uh, probably around 2012, 2013. It was definitely pre-pandemic. After after my company sold that particular hotel, um, the general manager at that hotel, he remained with the new company. He continued that program for, for years and years. I remember he even received some uh, awards um, it, within the, the county um, for just how invested he became in that particular program. That's fantastic. I, I love that. Uh, and now I want to talk to you as an educator. Um, do you, first off, what classes do you teach or what classes do you enjoy teaching? Um, my my favorite class, especially when I was full-time, my favorite class to teach is Introduction to Hospitality Management. I love having the students right there, uh, their very first class, getting them started, kind of setting the tone for what they're going to think for, for the rest of their career, what they're going to think hospitality management is. I love being the one that influences uh, that mindset. Right now, I'm, I'm teaching, my primary class I teach uh, as an adjunct instructor is uh, hotel operations. Um, and, and, that's, and, and I really enjoy that class as, as well. I always love teaching hotel marketing classes as well. Uh, and then, and then I, te- I teach an introduction to business class as well as, uh, as an adjunct. So I, I like getting, I like the introductory courses. I know a lot of my instructors used to groan if they were having to do all the introductory courses, right? Uh, but I like teaching those. I always felt like it was my chance to get the students started on the on the right foot. Yeah, absolutely. Especially introduction to hospitality because there's so many people. Leon and I were just talking the other day. There's so many people that don't know how vast our industry is and how many different facets there are and how many opportunities. So I must have uh, I must have like five or six students over the last few years that have reached out to me and they'll say, I was in uh, your hospitality management class. I was taking it as a business elective. And because of that class, I decided to change my major or I decided to go into the hospitality management instead. Um, I I had some culinary arts students that would say that to me. I, I originally wanted to be a chef, but you made me decide to go into that. That's always been very rewarding. And, and um, I, I, I've heard the same thing said of some of my peers as well. They, they teach that intro class and they have a good experience with the student. And before you know it, that, that student's saying, I'm not a business major anymore. I'm a, I'm a hospitality major. That's funny that you say that. Sorry, Leon. Um, I just want to share that, uh, when I went to school, I was a pre-med major, so that was my path, and I took an intro to hospitality class as an elective because I had a boyfriend at the time that wanted me to help him study, um, and that's what made me change my major uh, and spend literally 10 years in college learning about hospitality management. So now it, it's coming together. I remember in a, on another episode, you said that someone in your family, maybe it was your mom that wanted you to be a doctor and you're like, I am, but you just took (laughs) a different path. But I I never went into what all that was about. Now I got it. (laughs) She said, you're going to be a doctor. And I finally, decades later, 
I'm a doctor. No, <laughs> while we're let's go a little deeper here. What 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 specialty did you were you interested in? I actually originally wanted to be a genetic engineer. And then I thought, you know what? I want to be a surgeon. And then I realized that I will pass out at the sight of blood. So that wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good. So, wow. How about them apples? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? So we have a doctor that's a doctor. <laughs> a John, what did you want to be when you initially, when you grew up? On Where were you? Where were your thoughts? So my, my freshman year in college, I was studying for the ministry. I was planning on. Uh, going into a role as a full-time pastor and uh, uh, pastoring churches. That that was my original uh, intent as well. And when I first joined the hotel, uh, the hotel uh, industry, I was actually um, working full-time for my church and had taken a part-time job working at a front desk at a hotel. Okay. Wow. Different. Yeah, and I, I think both of you know that I'm really supposed to be the basketball coach at UCLA right now. <laughs> yeah, right? we're we're not supposed to be be here right now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, John, you've you've done a, done a lot. Let's tell me in the in the hotel business, um, what is something that's memorable to you? Where it's like one of those stories where it's like I can't believe that happened. And it did. And you were there to to witness it, hear about it. Like, I'll give you one for me. I was working the front desk at a hotel at the Baltimore airport. And this guy in a white suit is checking out. Now he's checking out of the hotel. And suddenly a pipe burst. And right away, he's covered with stuff. Right? He's covered with stuff. Ew. Yeah, it's, it was it was like one of those ooh moments, right? It, it was it was really bad, and he goes, "Oh well, I got to figure out something." And it's like eight in the morning. He goes, "Do you know where I can get a white suit at eight in the morning?" <laughs> right? You know where I can get a white suit at eight in the morning? So we actually figured out how to get get him some clothing, and the guy was a magician, and he was going to perform. Right. At a company doing like a company outing. So we got him taken care of. All right. 10, 15 years later, I see this guy not in a hotel. And he comes up to me and goes, you don't remember me, do you? Like, nope, have no clue who you are. He goes, white suit, checking out, Hampton Inn. Like, I don't know. And he goes, think about it. I'm like, yes, I know you. (laughs) So what do you got for us, John? Well, I, I don't, the first thing that comes to my mind might not be my best story. So I, I've often said I should like collect all these things and put them in a book, right? But I, I think my best story like that was one time. One time I had a phone call from the uh, from my hotel saying we just had a deer uh, crash through the pool window. He took a swim in the pool and then crashed through the window on the other side. And I was like, Oh no, is everybody all right? Uh, what are we doing about taking care of the pool? All, all, all these types of things. And, um, and okay. We're, yeah, we, uh, we're, we're sanitizing the area. We're going to call the glass company to come in and 
fix the two windows, not one window, two windows. And um, all right, okay. And uh, I, I thought I thought that issue was solved. And then about two hours later, I get a phone call from the local media, and uh, the reporter who, who I knew from like watching the six o'clock news um, calls me, and he wants to meet me at the hotel like in an hour. And I lived about an hour away from this hotel. Uh, and uh, he, he said uh, he wants to interview me about this deer jumping through the window. So uh, the just the natural VP in me is like, who in the world notified the media? <laughs> like, how about this pool jumping through, or this deer jumping through our, our window? So, so sure enough, um, um, the employees that were responsible for involving the media, they were really proud that we were getting this story done on us about the, the deer uh, jumping through the window. So that, that, wow. that would go in my, that would go in my uh, book. The, the only other, I, I want to tell one more though. Um, one time, one of my hotels caught on fire and uh, it was a pretty serious matter. And my general manager's mother was the one that notified him because his mother was watching it on the channel 13 Baltimore news. That general manager was playing hooky that day or at a meeting or something. And uh, thank goodness his mother was watching the news and let him know that his hotel was on fire. That, that's the other one that'll make it. In uh, that, that's the other one that'll make the news. Miranda. The, okay. All right. I'm guessing we'll, you we'll, were the general manager. I was the general manager of the hotel. I was transitioning out of my position there and going into the French fry business. And I was um, closing a deal, actually. And I had my phone off. And uh, the team members, my management team, kept calling me, right? And I see the number, their cell numbers pop up. I'm like, ignore, 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 right? And I get in the car and I'm just ready to blast them for calling me. You know, I had my three top managers. If you guys can't run the place, I don't need to be there, right? You know, I don't need you if you can't run the place. And so then my mom calls me and she says, where are you at? said, I'm leaving downtown, heading to the hotel. Why? She says, your hotel's on fire. <laughs> I said, no, it's not. They would have called me. Uh-oh, they did try to call no. me. And she says, it's on channel 13. It's on fire. She says, well, hold on a minute. Let me go to channel two. Yep, it's on fire on channel two also. Yep, it's on fire. Yep, oh, they got no. a helicopter view and all. And as I'm getting closer to the hotel, there's black smoke. Right? There's helicopters floating around. And. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to mom. Yeah, that's how I really felt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Out of curiosity, what caused the fire? Uh, defective air conditioner. Oh wow! So, yeah, defective air conditioner unit on the roof. On the roof. Wow. Yeah. Insur insurance <laughs> yeah. paid for everything, and the manufacturer had to had to uh, pay as well because it was a defective unit. So. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't a disgruntled employee that it, was just like it, it was not now. <laughs> yep, was it wasn't Leon setting the place ablaze before it he went wasn't. to his next game. No, and they were they were very loyal to Leon. They they didn't call the, the VP when the hotel was on fire. They waited for Leon to call me. <laughs> nice. That's right. Call John for nothing. Call me. <laughs> right. So so John, 
Now, I, I worked for you, um, minority manager, back before DEI was a popular thing, right? Before everybody started talking about it, obviously before it was on, on anyone's radar. Um, and I, I worked worked for you, worked with you, and had great, great experiences with you there. I can't think of any race-related situation that I can look back on and say, John, you didn't handle that right, or did you not understand this, or hey, let me sit you down and educate you on. How is it that then you were so in tune with how things needed to be run that I could feel comfortable, but now our industry seems to want to talk about it, and in so many areas, we still seem to miss the mark, but not only in our industry, but in so many others. What how what do we need to do? But what did you do? What was part of you that helped you be way ahead of the curve? It wasn't me. You had other minorities in in supervisory and management positions also. So tell us some about that your experience. But what do we need to do now? Well, and uh, I, you know, I, I think I kind of have to preface my statements that um, you know some people might not exactly like the way I, I phrase some things here, Leon, but, but let me start with this. So I kind of cut my teeth in like the management world in the nineties. I, I was working for a pretty large company. It was a retailer that's no longer in business. And they, they had an excellent, excellent training program that, that I was part of. And so I remember, I remember like when the diversity discussions like first started there in the 90s. I remember going to meetings with HR where they would bring in the managers from the stores all over. You know, we were in the Baltimore district and, and I was in Pennsylvania. They'd bring in managers from all of our stores and people really um, rejected being in that training. Most of that diversity was like the, the traditional diversity topics, uh, you know, race and uh, sexuality. And those uh, those discussions were very different back then than they were now. But the one thing that always struck me, the one thing that always struck me was like the like the the good business sense that came from running a diverse operation. It just makes good sense from a business standpoint. I, I, I was raised in a home. I was raised in a home that was free of prejudice. My my dad was was military. My dad was very used to um, interacting and living with uh, people from all walks of life. He instilled that in my brother and I. Probably our concept uh, back then was like to be to be colorblind and, and and we know that language has all changed some as well but that was kind of you know how we were raised there just wasn't my home was free of prejudice and 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 i'd also i also would see particularly my mom and dad both some anti-racism as well because they, their homes weren't necessarily uh free of that type of prejudice and, and racism that they, that they had grown up in and so in both my parents, I saw this anti-racism example as well. So, you know, here I am a young, you know, 20-something in this major company where they're introducing diversity and this and it just makes it just makes good business sense. And it was very consistent with the values that I 
um, that I grew up with. And so, Leon, I think, you know, I, I was just thinking as I was reflecting upon um, our, our history, I think you're probably, you were probably like the second minority um, general manager that we had. You, uh, the, the second African-American manager that we had uh, for sure. And um, the um, and when we opened that hotel at BWI, our labor pool was a little bit more expanded than what it was in some of our more rural, predominantly white areas where we had been previously. Um, and, and so I, I just had this belief that our organization should look like the people were were serving, right? And the people that we're working with. So uh, like, and to me, that seems so common sense. And, and I realize it's not for people, but for, for me, it was just always common sense way of doing, um, doing business. I, what, one of my mentors one time uh, said, you know, it, at, again, th this guy, Lee, I, and you, you actually know, but like his thing was, we got to remember everybody's money is green, right? That was his, that was his reason for being diverse, you know, like, every, like from a business uh, standpoint and, you know, uh, you, you weren't, you weren't our, our first black GM, Leon, uh, but you were uh, in a, in a line of very successful uh, black GMs and and it was it was good for our organization it was good for the employees it was good for our our guests and 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 why not I love that you said that it just makes good business sense because I say it all the time even if you don't care about diversity if it is not a value to you you probably care about money right <clears throat> so um I, I just love that you reiterated that um it's interesting to me that you say that Leon was the second black GM that you um, had at your property because many times when we talk to people, they've only encountered one, if not zero, black general managers. How many have? How many general managers of color would you say that you've interacted with? Um, well, I, I'll, I'll give an example. I was at I was at a conference, major hotel brand conference last year. And I walked into a room and there were like three African-American men standing in the front of the room. And the first thing that went through my mind is, oh, wait, I think I'm in the wrong meeting. These don't look like, um, and I, and I, I'm, again, I'm not going to name the brand. These don't look like this a brand A's uh, executive staff, right? And, and and I was I was in the wrong wrong room, right? And and then like walking out of that room, I'm thinking, why did they look like staff of this brand? Well, there were three African American men at the at the front of the room. So um, you and African American females, I, I I've never hired an African American female. GM, nor have I had a lot of interaction with African-American females in, in my company. And maybe some of that might be because of where the hotels are based and, and the, um, and the applicants that we, 
um, that we get. At, uh, we, I, um, I remember I, there, there was another, uh, there, we had, uh, we had another African American general manager uh, at one of our hotels in State College, Pennsylvania. We're just a few miles away from Penn State University. And um, we had a female general manager at the time. I, I wasn't satisfied with her performance um, from the typical hotel uh, performance indicators. And one day she uh, called me into her office and she said, I want you to meet this nice young man that I just hired to be our assistant general manager. And I, at any salaried employees, I would always meet them and, and sign off on them. And, um, and she had actually kind of went around that protocol and hired him all on her own. And, and I remember that day I, I met Ander. I'll go ahead and give his name. And when I met Ander that day, I thought to myself, oh, this, uh, the GM, she just hired a replacement because I was sure at that moment that Ander was going to be my general manager at that property someday. And, and, that's, and that's, exactly, um, that's exactly what happened there. So I, I have had the opportunity to um, uh, encounter African-American uh, general managers and, and to hire African-American uh, general managers, particularly male, I, I, I will say that. Um, but, but I do, uh, I see what everybody sees in this industry. Um, there, there is a shortage of African-American in those top general manager spots. Do you feel like because there's a lack of applications um, or what do you think is the reason that that's the reason I would give? Yes. That, that, like that. Cause, cause I'm thinking to myself when, when I'm hiring general managers um, again, I, I, I'm not going to have, I, I want the best person for the job. And I'm all, I'm always going to say that no matter how unpopular that statement becomes, I always want the best person for the job. And uh, when, when Leon was my general manager, he was the best person for that job. When Ander was my general manager, he was the best person for that job. Um, when Amanda was my general manager, she was the best person for that job. When Brian was my general manager, he was the best person uh, for that job. And, 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 and uh, uh, I, I could go on naming name after name after name, male, female, uh, black, white, uh, Latinx, no matter, um, uh, I, I could go on and on doing that. And, and that's, you know, I'll go back to it every time. I'm looking for the best person for the job. The only thing I want in an applicant is that they're willing to work hard and, and do the job and take great care of our guests, make, uh, make sure that our employees are well cared for and make sure that they're um, focused on what matters to our investors as well. Mm -hmm. Now, John, I think I know that you are not giving yourself the full credit for encompassing diversity at your hotels. And, and here's why I'll say that. When I was the general manager at your property at the BWI airport, I had minorities, black ladies as support managers, right? And you would say to me, you need to teach them, you need to show them some more about their job, more than just 
how to schedule more than just how to handle employee situations, because the more that you show them things, the more it frees you up. And it was actually a strong business reason for it. You said you need to get outside and do some sales. Because Miranda, it was kind of like a, a dual position where the, the assistant manager, the assistant general manager and I kind of shared the sales role. And John's thought was, look, if you show the support managers more, that means when I call the hotel and ask for you, Leon, the answer is going to be you're not here because you're outside selling. Right. So you encouraged me to teach others more about the business, which is something that more leaders need to do. So I applaud you for for that. Give yourself credit for that because it's not and, always and, did and, I hire, did I do this? It's these other things that lead people into management positions that we need more of. So I my one of my key one of my key uh, my one of my key performance indicators for like me and my team is building a bench. I'm all about building the bench, right? Um, sometimes sometimes we'll have. We'll have employees leave our employee and the general manager will say to me, you know what? I'm not going to replace them right now. I, I can do that on my own. And just about every time I'm going to say, no, you are gonna, you are going to replace them. Um, in, in fact, I, I have two GMs right now. Um, and what one of one of my uh, general managers um, is from from Morocco and uh, he uh, immigrated to the United States about five or six years ago uh became a became a citizen and uh he he he's very uh very focused on improving his property and and when he recently lost a staff member he says uh, he goes i want to i want to fill in i want to do that job myself i said i'll I'll use his name too he's a a great employee i said no yasin you are going (laughs) you're going to hire you're going to hire a new uh housekeeping manager um, and you're going to hire a new front uh, office manager, just like the plan. I appreciate that you want to save on payroll, but he and and then uh, at my hotel in State College, my manager there said, um, "I need that my uh, my executive housekeeper is leaving. She's going. She's going to move back to Baltimore." He says, I- "I'm just going to do that job myself instead of recruiting." Like, I'm like, "No, no, no. You're going to recruit that position," and because I'm all about building the bench, and it and it's selfish. Because if they don't build their bench and they burn out as the GM because they're doing two people's job instead of one, I, I'm going to get a call about 11 o'clock on a Saturday night saying, I can't do this anymore. And, and then it's going to fall back on me. So it, it's a it, it's to, to a degree, it's selfish. I want my hotels fully staffed all the time. And I want us always to build a bench. And, and Leon, yeah. you might remember this as well. Um, if there's a candidate out there that is like the perfect candidate for our organization, hire them and find a position for them. And because we'll, we'll need them down the road sometime. So go ahead and catch them while they're available instead of letting them go work for your competitor. And, and, and that's like diversity in those types of hires is like even, even better because you you know, it even strengthens um, your business decision right then. Yeah. Miranda, before I kick it back to you, you were, John, you were talking about being selfish. I worked for someone for 14 years, and one of his lines, Miranda, was this. It was, it's not John. I didn't work for John for 14 years now. But it was someone else, and one of their lines was this. I need good people. 
because I need my golf game to improve. I can't get better at golf if I don't have good people. That's what this owner <laughs> used, to, used to say. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do I have time for one last question? Is that where? Yep. Okay. So if I may ask you, John, um, what would you go back in time and ask your 20-year-old self or tell your 20-year-old self, rather? Uh, I, everything is going to be okay. <laughs> That's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with the 20-year-old generation now. And there's so much anxiety, uh, there's so much sadness and the ability to get upset about uh, little things. And uh, it, it always it always works out and it's it's going to be OK. Um, th that that's what I would tell my 20 year old self as well. You, uh, it, it, it might not always be in my timing. It might not always be exactly when I want it to take place but it's going to be just fine. Going to be fine. That's good no. advice for everyone at every age. Yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, my, my motto is everywhere you go, go as a leader. So, so, uh, but uh, so that's what I tell others. But if I had to talk to myself at age 20, it would be, uh, it would be, Hey, it's going to be okay. Right on. Now, John, I'm going to put a twist on our other signature question, right? The other, the signature question is, have you ever had a Maryland crab cake? And I know the answer to that question because I've had crab cakes with you in Maryland. We have. So I'm going to twist it a little. Have you ever had a good crab cake in central Pennsylvania? I have. I have. There is. <laughs> I have. Not at the place you went to, however. But uh, at the... There's a hotel in State College. It's one of my competitors, but it's it's a uh, university owned. It was the Penn Stater Hotel, and they had a uh, a restaurant in that hotel. And I was staying there back in 2009 when we were building our best Western at Penn State. And I went downstairs one night, and I had a crab cake, and it was good. They had corn in it, though, Leon. They ah, you did. Wait a minute. You just it said had, it was good, and then you followed that up with it had corn in it. Like a corn. Like a corn. <laughs> They corn in it. I never heard of such a thing. And they weren't calling it a Maryland crab cake. I won't order a Maryland crab cake any other place than Maryland. I'm a Pennsylvania guy, but I will not. But I, my mom's a, my mom was a Baltimore County girl. You know, I lived like a mile above the border. I won't order a crab, Maryland crab cake anywhere except for Maryland. And I discourage others to do so as well. I'm a little bit of a crab cake snob. Um, I was in Orlando uh last week and uh and uh, turned my nose up at a crab cake so yeah nope that's yeah my thing is if it's called maryland crab cake and it's in maryland scratch it you you can't get it if it's in maryland called a maryland crab cake but i was at lancaster brewing company in harrisburg last week and i got a crab cake and it was it was pretty good so i'll we'll take this cut of the video and send it to them let's give them a little shout out I want to know who's putting corn in crab cakes because somebody needs to be arrested. The Penn, the Penn Stater did back, back in the day. Whether they still do that or not, I'm not sure. Wow. Like, this, this is good. Wow. That, they were mini. Rough. They were mini crab cakes too. Yeah. They were an appetizer. All right. Right on. John, thanks for spending some time with, with me and Miranda. It's great, great catching up with you. 
cool conversation. Thanks for being with us, John. Thank you both. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Miranda, cool conversation with with John. A lot of a lot of varying topics. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, see, that's that's gonna linger with us now. Corn in the Yeah, I like at that point, just add raisins. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, no, no. And of course, you know, don't put raisins in potato salad, right? You're, you're... or anything. <laughs> They're just not necessary. Don't, just don't do it. No, don't stop, people. Stop. Now, before we sign off in like the next 30 seconds, I want you to know we can talk to our producer, Dr. Jay Rasenko, after the show. But I want you to know that on next Friday, Dr. Jay and I will be together. And he has asked my wife to prepare her signature mac and cheese. <gasps> yes. So I will be transporting it. Now, here's where you come in. Okay. I'm just wondering if you can get some Miranda mac and cheese. And I don't know. We could meet like, I don't know, whatever that that point is. We could meet <laughs> somewhere and do the, the mac and cheese handoff and we can like make an episode of the show with it i love that idea you know so <laughs> we'll talk more about it. and if you would like to be on the mac and cheese show or or uh review show or whatever you think you have good mac and cheese email me about it let's come on the show and we'll talk you know talk diversity yeah but we'll talk mac and cheese too just send I mean, me an what email better thing to bridge the gaps <laughs> yes Foods bring us all together. Now, Leon, yes. what are you going to do if I show up with mac and cheese with raisins? <laughs> if you show up with mac and cheese with raisins, okay, out of the blue box. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, that would be worse. What, what's worse, the blue box or raisins? <laughs> Equally bad. Oh, oh, oh! I'm just. I'm picturing that. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> I'm picturing it. Oh, no. But anyway, we had a cool show. I'm Leon. She's Miranda. If you'd like to be a guest on Checking In, a Lodging DAI chat, you can email me. My email address is leon at theleonthomasgroup.com. And Miranda, how can everyone get in touch with you? The easiest thing you can do is find me on LinkedIn, Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. I'm the only one. You can Google me, but you can also email my personal email address, ilmkitterlin at gmail.com. All right. Great. Thank you, Miranda. Thanks, everyone, for watching another episode of Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat. I'm Leon Thomas. That's Miranda Kitterlin Lynch. We will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.